give to you, and I'm praying his anointing be stirred not only on myself but all of us because God truly wants to take every one of us to a deeper place in him, a place that we've never been before, wants us to grow in him. I just was reminded last week in the business world on a, on a training, an eight-hour training session about spreadsheets, financial statements, and, and all of the like, which was just like watching paint dry. But the instructor actually said, if you are not growing, you are dying. Mm-hmm. This is in the secular world, and I got a spiritual lesson on that one right at that very moment, because I believe that applies to me. If I am not growing in God, then the reverse is happening, and I constantly want to have a hunger and a thirst to learn from our Lord and what he would have to say, because he's always right on time. If you would uh, stand this morning for the reading of the word, we're going to read in Matthew chapter 21, some of the same words that Pastor opened with as we're reminded of this glorious day, Palm Sunday, and what the people in Israel were doing in heralding their king. It says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 6 through 9, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks, I'm going to turn this down here, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So if we could just envision these palm branches, very nice arrangement, Pastor. You've got the touch for sure. Um, If they were just spread through this middle aisle and clothes that would be laying there, blankets that would be laying there, to perhaps roll out a red carpet of sorts for the Master. It says in verse 39, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Oh, I think I jumped. I did. I jumped. Let's go back uh, before that. It says, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And this is a memorable moment because they're actually singing what David talked about prophetically in Psalm 118 and 119, the Hillel would be sung about the son of David that would march through Jerusalem. So this was a fulfillment of prophecy. And then in John, as he records this occasion in verse, chapter 19, verse 39, he brings something to our attention that's very unusual in this setting. Maybe not so much for the Pharisees because you always expect a little adversity from them. It says, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. It says, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, look at your neighbor and say, hold your peace. Hold your peace. If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Let it sink in for a moment. The stones would immediately cry out. We draw a lot of understanding from this passage today, and we pray that the Lord's anointing be upon us. And I I am so delighted that Brother and Sister Burrell are back with us today, not watching online, but they're here. We feel their presence. That's right. means so much to this congregation. Amen. And Brother Burrell, would you be so kind as to pray over this message and over the church this morning? Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Burrell, we have missed your prayer. Amen. Over this congregation. And that is refreshing. We know you pray for us often, but to hear you speak is amazing. Thank you. And we feel the anointing of the Lord here. The instinctive human expression of miraculous, intimate, and supernatural encounters with Jesus Christ is shown in many ways, including thanksgiving, deep appreciation, expressive joy, overflowing excitement, which are all expressions of worship and praise. God created each of us with a unique ability to communicate and express our feelings, our thoughts, our adoration, directly to him. Simply put, we were created for worship in the context of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Pharisees, on the other hand, had a differing opinion when it came to the expression of worship to God and to Messiah. Their piety and stoicism were easily detected by Jesus and the disciples. Their condescending tone of disgust was chilling as they challenged, Master, Rebuke your disciples. But it is Jesus' response to this self-righteous, judgmental, airbag mentality. Yeah, I'll say it again. It is Jesus' response of these self-righteous, judgmental airbags that is so epic today. Think about it. Have you ever found yourself in a situation when you feel like shouting a praise to the Lord or saying a hallelujah to God Almighty, perhaps at home, driving in your car, or even, yes, in a church service, when you are overcome with an overwhelming sense of silence? It can be a visible look, an audible word, or even an emotional impression telling you to hold your peace. All too often, our praise is silenced and our victory is stolen as we submit to insecurity, intimidation, fear of failing, or traditional standards and norms. What the motivation behind, whatever the motivation behind the Pharisees' disdain for the jubilance of Jesus' followers that day, the master's response reveals not only the importance of praise, but the fact that praise to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords must and will be offered. As he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. A moment, a day, an hour, a minute does not pass that God's people and creation do not praise and exalt his name above every name. Can I hear an amen? Can someone praise the Lord today? 
So it brings to me, in thinking about this setting, the response of Jesus to these angry, haughty disciples, or I'm sorry, Pharisees, when he says the rocks, these very stones would cry out immediately if these should hold their peace. How many, when you were growing up, we don't do it much anymore, but would participate in a church service and you have on the agenda testimony service, right? Where somebody always gets up. I remember in a, a little town called Steubenville, Ohio, that we had a man in our church, Glenn Davidson. He would get up and he would, every single time we would have testimony service, he would say, I just want to praise and thank the Lord for lifting me up out of the garbage can. And then he'd sit down. <laughs> I grew up hearing that. That was his praise. <laughs> A little unusual, but that was his, his testimony. Anytime there's testimony service, you would have a few that were quick to their feet, ready to give a praise to the Lord. Here's an opportunity, a grand opportunity, as Jesus says, if these should hold their peace, then the stones would immediately cry out. And it makes me wonder today, I wonder what the rocks would say. Think about it. If rocks could talk, if they had a testimony service, maybe we should have brought a few boulders up here to let them speak what they have seen and what they have heard. Maybe we shouldn't because maybe sometimes they would take our place when we come into the house of the Lord. I shouldn't go there, but anyway. We need to be careful when we're holding our peace of who's going to make a praise on our behalf or in our place. So thinking about today what the rocks would say, I want you to look at your neighbor because in order for a rock to say anything this morning, and we're going to listen to a few testimonies, you're going to have to hold your peace. You're going to have to keep it down a little bit. Right, Mike? Because the rock is going to take your place. You can't be praising the Lord and then a rock take your place. you got to be quiet. you got to hold your peace. So look at your neighbor and say, hold your peace. Oh, come on. Now you got to be a little more stern than that. Hold your peace. That's right. Back off a little bit, Jackson. you just got to hold on. Hold your peace. Next slide. Rock of living water, Mount Horeb. Let's listen to what Rock Horeb has to say. I'm located on the land of Sinai, about 100 feet in, in height, which would be about four, five, or six stories tall. I heard this occasion where Moses would plead to God when the people came to him that were so thirsty, even unto death. And he even made a statement as I heard, overheard Moses' conversation with God. And he said, God, you're going to have to do something because even the people are about to stone me. And so this conversation goes on. The presence of God. Then as I heard those words, I began to feel something begin to churn inside of me as this rock in Horeb. And I felt, as it were, the very presence and power of God would stand on top of me. As he told Moses, I will stand on the rock before the people. And you come and stand before me, Moses, with your staff, with your rod. And when I give you the word, you strike the rock and water will come flowing. And as Moses began to approach me, this is my testimony of what I felt. I felt as as he lifted his arms, something began to well up within me. I don't know what it was, but then as he struck me, springs of living water came up out of my innermost parts. It was amazing. I can't tell the rest of you what rocks, what it was really like, what they feel, the power of God bubbling up in my soul. What a testimony that Rock Horeb had to say. 
But somebody look at your neighbor and say, ah, hold your peace. Because Mount Sinai stood up and said, I got one better than that, Horeb, because I saw you down in the valley of Sinai. I saw the, ro- the water come out of you, but let me tell you my testimony. Because you see, I stood at the very top, about six to 7,000 feet above sea level. I got to see everything that was going on. And I heard this conversation between Moses, who had made his way up towards me, as he would talk to God and intercede for his people. And Actually, I began to watch the finger of God on a table of stone begin to write out the law as he would give it to Moses. I witnessed that. And then on another occasion, Moses comes up the mountain seeking something very special from God. As Moses began to cry out, God, let me see your glory. I began to feel something as the clouds began to darken and the skies became became unsettled. And as I knew something was getting ready to happen, God moved Moses under my cleft for protection as his very power and spirit and glory would come by the top of that mountain. As Moses was able to look out and get a glimpse of the hinder parts of God, I on Mount Sinai was able to see all of God's glory. What a testimony that is. Horeb beat that one. The rocks do have something to say, don't they? Look at your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-uh, hold your peace. See, there was something that was going on in the Valley of Elah. It was an ordinary day. Matter of fact, every day, I and my buddies would look up out of that brook and see the sun come up in the east and see it go down in the west. I would see all of the clouds and the majesty of the galaxies that God had created. And laying in that brook day after day after day, it was something very unusual when I would hear, now listen, Brother Rocks, you got to listen to this, really get a hold of this. I know, Sinai, that's a cool testimony, but you, you don't know what God did for me. Because I'm laying there one day in the water, and I'm looking up, and it's just a beautiful day. And then I hear this taunting, loud, nasty, gnarly voice saying, send me a man that I might fight him. Send me a man. And who knows what else he was taunting them with. And, and he says all these things. And then I hear kind of in the faint distance coming up over the, the, the hillside there, a, it sounded like a young boy. I just, I just remember I could hear him say, is there not a cause? Come on, guys. Don't we serve a great and powerful God? Is there not a cause for us to fight this, this Philistine that is taunting us? Don't you know the power of God is so much stronger than him? And he said, take me to King Saul, and I will tell him I will go and fight the giant. And that boy, I heard that conversation, and then I heard it get closer to me. Now I know something's really going to happen, but I'm just laying in the brook, and I'm looking up. And suddenly I was face-to-face with David, that shepherd boy, looking right down at me as he knelt down to pick up me and four of my closest friends. Now, 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 that wasn't all. I mean, I thought I was just an ordinary rock, just laying here chilling out in the brook. But David looks right at me, perhaps even seeing his own reflection in the water, reaches down, picks me up, puts us in his bag, and I know something's going to happen. I have no idea what it is. Why would, Joseph, or why would David 
choose me. I, I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm standing here and I'm, I'm sitting in the bag and my four friends are there and we're like, where are we going? What are we going? And I'm hearing this giant get louder and louder as David approaches them on the battlefield. And then all of a sudden I feel his hand come down and grip around me. And he puts me in that sling. And I'm thinking, oh no, we're, we're going for a ride now. This is not just another day in the brook. This is something entirely different. And I'm getting dizzy. I don't know what's happening. And then I hear David say, uh, Goliath, you come against me with your weapon and your sword and your spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And he let me go out of that sling immediately. Listen, guys, this is what happened. I'm not kidding you. I felt the power of God grip around me and begin to thrust me through the air. At the speed of light, it felt like I was like a shot out of a cannon, and I went straight toward the forehead of that giant, found myself in his forehead as we both go down to the ground. God gripped me with his power, shot me through the air, and great victory, impossible victory, was rendered that day. That's my testimony of what God's power can do to a life, to a rock. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, uh-uh, that's not enough. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. See, I'm glad I get to testify because I'm what's called the rock of revelation. You know, I, I was probably around in something pretty undeniable and indisputable. It was probably one of the greatest moments in human history. They call me Caesarea Philippi. See, I'm this rock that's about 100 feet up off the ground, about 300 feet wide. I've seen unbelievable sacrifices on the surface that worshipers of Pan the mythical God of the wild, what they would offer to him as a sacrifice, what they would do in their blood sacrifices were just mind-bending, just horrible sights that I would see on, the, on my face that would be done to this God in Caesarea Philippi, known as the city of the gods. But something changed that would change History that would change that moment and the rest of time because one man began to walk up onto my surface, found a seat, and his disciples. When he would ask this one question that would change life as anybody would know it, he asked, who do men say that I am? And I overheard a conversation that I'll never forget as long as, my, as, as, long as my, I will exist. You other rocks have great testimonies, but I heard some of them say, you're a prophet. Some say you're a Elias. Some say you're a teacher. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And I heard Peter, Simon Barjona, stand up with his boldness like I heard that he always would do. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> Something transformed in that moment because my very surface that was used for pagan, horrible worship to a nasty God, an evil, dark spirit, Jesus walks in and changes everything. And he says to the disciples and to Peter, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I felt the very power of the revelation that would change the world in my midst. Hold your peace. Thank you, Caesarea Philippi. 
but I've got a whole different testimony than what any of you guys have seen because I undeniably have witnessed the greatest miracle of all times. You go ahead and tell me about going through the air and the power of God. That's great. Water coming out of you. That's pretty cool. Caesarea Philippi, God changed, Jesus changes everything. But let me tell you something. I was owned by a man called Joseph of Arimathea. He prepared me to be a tomb so that one day when he would pass, he would be buried in, my sepulch- in the sepulcher. And I was there when something unordinary happened. It was extraordinary as I would watch in the distance this event of Jesus, the 